It's just a marvelous resource. I mean, I used to mm -hmm. produce, so I had an awareness of like the importance of using it. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Hey, what's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. I'm your host, Kip VH, and with me in studio, the lovely, the talented Dave Walsh. I'm Dave. lovely. You're lovely. I love that I'm lovely. It's a, you're, you are. You're a lovely person. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me, man. Dude, I'm so thrilled to to like just to be able to talk with you at length. Because yeah. we did the, the workout group. Maybe two, or two three, three weeks, weeks ago, ago? Yeah. that Sissy uh, and Sissy had talked about you on the show previously. Yeah, lovely and, Sissy Jones. Oh, she's so great. She's great. She's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I had known about your show for a while too. And I, and I think I said to you before we, we went on the air that, you know, that's, there's a handful of shows like this in the business, you know, VO Buzz Weekly being the first and Chuck yeah. and Stacey kind of putting it all on the map, but right. also having your show and having George Whittam's show. And there's, yeah. there's several others that... You know, this is a great place, and now with technology being what it is, we can actually talk like this, sit across the table and right. talk about the business and talk about, you know, anything that really affects people, you know, in our business that's global. Yes. Which isn't just sitting, you know, in New York or L.A. or Chicago anymore. You know, it's really – this is something that affects, you know, with my coaching – uh, coaching clients all over the country and all over the world. So it's th these kinds of things are so beneficial. That's you know? uh, that's fantastic. That yeah. you know that you know. I remember when Pat Fraley would come to Chicago, you would clear the decks because totally. this is an opportunity to sit in not only sit and in his presence still in the direction, it still is. Yeah. And Bob and those guys who come to Chicago, Bob Bergen, um, but but now with Skype technology, all those other things. Phone? Do you do phone conferences? Yeah, I do phone conferences. Yeah, I do Skype and FaceTime, Source Connect, IBDTL, ISDN if we need to. Mm. But again, it's like the thing where, you know, initially clients were, when I first started coaching, we were phone patch. If we were doing it out of town, we were doing it phone patch, Yeah, which never was a big problem. But then, you know, most of your coaching was in person. But now doing Skype and FaceTime, I mean, you know, initially people will say, well, you know, you can't see me. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, if we're doing an ISDN session or Source Connect or IBDTL, you're not seeing anybody anyway, unless you're Skyping, you're adding a video conferencing onto it. But at the same time, it, it's all beneficial. I mean, doing it FaceTime, doing it Skype, if I see them, I can see the bad habits you have. Are you sitting yeah. when you should be standing? Are you leaning forward? Are you using your hands? Yeah. You know, all of those things that normally you couldn't see. Right. It's like Big Brother, just kind of like, you know, because it really, <laughs> it totally affects how you read. Yeah. It totally affects how you read. So, um, yeah, I just – I think it's so – I had a client uh, in South Africa. I had her for probably about eight months, and she lived in Johannesburg. And this is – it's a life lesson in learning about the culture you live in. She her – her sessions were scheduled for 7.30 in the morning L.A. time. Because okay. in Joburg, it's – I think it's like 12 hours ahead. Okay. Okay, so it was like 7.30 at night or 6.30 at night. But she would have to email me that morning to see if the government was turning off the electricity and turning off the Wi-Fi because they were trying to conserve energy. So there was a rolling blackout that would happen in Johannesburg, and it would be sporadic. They wouldn't even know that the blackouts were coming probably for an hour, until even an hour before they did them. Oh, my God. So she would email me, and she'd be like, uh, Dave, we have to cancel our session uh, this morning. They're gonna they're gonna cut the cord, you know, in an hour. And it was a crazy, but at the same time, it was being able to work from LA with Johannesburg. You know, again, I think we all do it every day, but when we take a step back and then we get so amazed by, holy crap, we can do yeah. this kind of work 
from our homes, from L.A., from Joburg. Doesn't matter where it is. So it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It, you know, I think that the first impact of that really hitting me was the first time I did uh, a, a booking from my car. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea of as long as you've got the technology and the talent with you and you can get it up. OK, then 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 the system you know, well, the system is what it is. Yeah. I remember driving back from, I was teaching at Fullerton, driving back to LA and it was a last minute that I was supposed to get in and Vinny kept calling me like, dude, where is that, where's where that, is that piece? Where is and that I'm piece? like, I'm tr- driving, trying to find service so I can turn on the hotspot. Yeah, exactly. And, and find a place I can pull over somewhere down here near, you know, do you have a, a Wi-Fi hotspot in your yeah, car? Yeah, oh, I need you it. You do. Yeah, so you I have a hi-fi, Wi-Fi hotspot on my phone. Right. And I always travel with my laptop, the the 416. Yep. I have a, a just recently got a Zoom uh, box to record in. So, I don't, you know. Yeah. And then. Um, it's what I call the day of vigilante voiceover. This is vigilante voiceover. It is. 2016 is that people, you know, I have a client we were talking about, you know, working in working in the closet that she's been having for a while and she's actually expanding that into a studio i said the story that you're telling whether it's a commercial or it's a narration it's a promo it's a trailer it doesn't matter what it is it the story has no idea where you are so when we kind of when we get nervous about oh i'm doing it in the back seat of my car or the front seat of my car or the closet or in the restroom um there was a a picture i'll never forget David Kay, I don't know if you're David. Uh, David's a uh, client at DPN, uh, really incredibly accomplished uh, animation, video guy, promo, commercial, you name it. David's a, David's a, amazing. David posted a picture on Facebook of him in the, the bathroom at the Delta Airlines terminal in the handicapped bathroom with his rig open doing a promo. I think it was for NBC. David, I'm sorry if I don't remember exactly where it was for. Maybe it was for Last Night last night with John Oliver, uh-huh. which is a show that he um, does the in-show for. Gotcha. Um, but it was, it was literally showing you, this is our world. I'm in the bathroom at the Delta Airlines terminal. Got to get the, got to get the MP3 out or, right. or, or actually the, the patch through Source Connect. And they're fine with it. They're fine. They're fine with it. As long as it, I mean, you got so many other elements going on, music and images and all that other kind of stuff that if there's, if it's a little bit bassier because you're inside of a bathroom, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and it's also what's encouraging about it to me is that that notion of the golden handcuffs being shattered a little bit. You've got to go through some challenges if yeah. you want to be able to. Like, because my, my my wife is always cursing Jim and Kimmel. It's like if we make plans, that's when I get a voice match. Well, we know, you know Kimmel. Kimmel is Kimmel is a very unique duck. That mm. uh, I did Kimmel for years when we had to go to um, Hollywood Boulevard to the El Cap. You actually had to, to go his to- office. Oh yeah, because what was happening was Jimmy. We would go and do it, and we would get there before the spot had even been written. Because what they always would have, as you probably know, Jimmy has his development meeting at four o'clock every day. Yeah. The show goes live to the East Coast, live to tape at seven o'clock Pacific. So Jerry, Jimmy, Jerry, Jimmy has his meeting at four o'clock, and they choose sketches, and then they write the sketches. So they they had us coming in at three or four o'clock, oh, man. sitting there for three or four hours, and you might be released because the sketch got pulled or the joke got pulled. But more times than not, you'd stay and you record. But yeah. that was a three three to four hour process. Yeah. Now, you kids in the new world. I know. 
You're doing spoiled. it for most. So tell your wife that it was 50 <laughs> times worse That's when right. you would have to go in. But I loved it because I got to see, you know, I got to see the cast. I got to see the producers every day, yeah. which was cool. And the casting director, Caroline Leem, who I still am very good friends with and was still huge in this business. Uh, Caroline was a sweetheart. and it's. But it was great because you used to go. You became like a family thing. You used to see yeah. them every day. Yeah. But, yeah, you can do – like Kimmel is – Erratic. They could call you at five o'clock at six thirty. They could call you. It depends when the sketch is done. Yeah, you know. So and turning it around and being available and making sure that it gets the air. But it's uh, cool though. It's, it's so it's, awesome. It's, it's so cool to be able to be like put something on Facebook. By the way, make sure you watch Kimmel tonight. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh and yeah. Then, you know. You don't know whether it may air. It may it not may, air. May or may not. It may air. be on air. It may not be. That's right. Yeah. Well, Dave, just just so I can get a little bit clearer, I mean, I got your bio, I know, but where 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 are you where are you from originally? How'd I'm originally you, from Boston. Are you really? Yeah. How'd you how'd you wind up in this? I wind I wound up in this uh, because I had a huge love of radio when I was a kid, <sighs> and my uncle worked for Columbia Records. He was the vice president of promotion and marketing for the Northeast U.S. for Columbia, okay. and um, I, I had done radio shows in in high school. I'd written commercials and done promos and done full-on shows where I would put them in the car and my parents would play them. And people would get in the car and people would say, who is that? And, <laughs> and my mother would say in her Bostonian voice, that's David. Can you believe it? He's he's amazing. Listen, he wrote commercials. Wait, there's a commercial coming up too. Um, so it was, it was very like cool. Like sketch comedy style stuff and just kind of like... It, it like... was stuff that uh, yeah, I would just write commercials. So yeah. what I started doing, <clears throat> I guess even at that time, was understanding timing. Uh, Starting to understand timing, but I would also do is record TV shows and movies and stuff like that with an audio recorder because at the time we didn't have a VCR. Yeah. So I would memorize the movies completely with every character, but I would also memorize the timing in between the lines delivered, etc., yeah. which then really worked well when I went into looping because when I went into voice matching and looping, I never to this day, and I respect every looping teacher in the business, I have never taken a looping session in my life coaching session because I did it since I was five years old. It's not an ego thing. It's right. more of a, it's because the timing and the ability to do that just was inherent for me. Yeah. I was like, I was the freaky kid. Like I was the kid that would sit in his basement and do this kind of stuff and memorize the lines and the nuances over and over again. So I was the freak. Yep. But then when I started going to studios and going on sound stages, I'm like, wait, this is what I did when I was five. Yeah. It was the coolest thing. I'm like, you know, so that really that helped, and when I came to LA, I I went to work in the television um, marketing business because my uncle worked at Columbia. Said if you want to work in radio, you can have to live out of a suitcase all over the country, huh. and I really wasn't ready to do that. So yeah. LA was where I wanted to go after graduation, and I came here, worked in television publicity. I was a publicist and worked in marketing and worked for a talent agency the first year I was here. Huh. And then in 1990, I saw this book called um, Word of Mouth by Sue Blue and Molly Ann Mullen. <laughs> and Sue, as we know, Sue is an animation legend in this business. And she and Molly wrote this book. And in the middle of the book were pictures of all of these people mm. that were in voiceover. Bo Weaver, Tom Pinto, Nick O'Mana, uh, Jennifer Darling. Um, there's just a number of these people that um, I found out that... The, the, uh, the public, when I was a publicist, the woman that worked next to me, I'd mentioned Tom Pinto's name, and she said to me, is that Tom Pinto from voiceover you're talking about? And I said, yes, why? She said, that's my brother. 
the building that we were in is two buildings down from here. We're on Cahuenga West in, in Hollywood. Yeah. The building is two buildings down from here, and Nick and Nick Omana and Tom Pinto ran Voice Tracks West. No kidding. It was the original home that Cindy Akers had for Voice Tracks West. And I met Tom through his sister, and Tom said to me, I was 25 years old, and he goes, well, you know, you're not married. You don't have kids. Are you interested in taking a workshop? And that was my first workshop, and that's how it started. <laughs> was just because I, I worked in the office with the sister, and it was the coolest thing. I got the book, and I was flipping through it, and I mentioned the guy's name. I mentioned Tom's name out loud. So I give Tom Pinto, uh, kind of <laughs> seriously to this day, I give Tom the credit for Tom and Nikki for getting me into the world of voiceover. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. That's so and that's kind of that's kind of happened. And I started coaching. So what happened was I yeah. when I was um, I had gone to Paramount Television, which was uh, which is now CBS Television. Okay. And I was the director of research and marketing for all of our TV shows, for Frasier and Cheers and Star Trek and all of the entertainment tonight. So I understood how to brand and market television shows. Were you doing your VO stuff at the same time to that? Oh, yeah. And ask my friends from, from Paramount who still joke about it that I had a pager at the time. We didn't have cell phones. Right. So I would be, I was, I was a client at TGMD, which was at the time Tisherman. Okay. And so I would get auditions and they'd page me. So my, my, the guys I worked with, got the phone number for my pager and they would page me with a 911 call and I'd call and pick it up and I'd dial it and someone would go thank you for calling Taco Bell on 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 Barham this is you know this is Katie how can I help you thank you for calling McDonald's on such and such I'm like and I would they would just literally just just bag me every time um but uh yeah so that's kind of how I I started in in understanding the branding of voiceover so when I got into voiceover full time uh and hooked up with Debbie Cope and with CESD and and those guys, which was phenomenal, and the amazing Maurice Tobias. Mm. Um, it it really changed my life. It, that really was the turning point in the chapter of my career. And what uh, was that? Was it the the, the training, the, all the representation? It. it was all of it. Just it was it was understanding. It was understanding what I was bringing to the table, Maurice, mm. and uh, Maurice really helped me to understand what I was bringing into the business and I'm in I'm indebted to her uh, forever that she really found that way to, to get me into that and to understand what I brought to the table hmm. um, and you know I had worked with other, I've worked with other coaches as well and that's still that were, have just been amazing for me um, but with CESD and with cope it was really just kind of taking everything that I learned as a publicist, as a marketer, as all those things and applied them to voiceover. Mm. And I would have meetings every quarter at CESD mm -hmm. um, with every department. I'd call a meeting in the conference room and just talk about what we wanted to do for the next quarter because I did that at Paramount. Like it wasn't being an egotistical, you know, it wasn't being egotistical. Right. It was just the things I this did. This is just the nature of business. Totally. And Debbie Cope said to me, you do realize that nobody does that. Like that's not done. And God loves CESD. Not one person, they may have done it privately, but no one ever said to me, I'm not doing that. You're not, you know, why are we doing this for him? They were always so, you know, very much that way. And even with DPN working with, you know, Jeff Danis and with Kevin Nist and Trish Ryan and Mike Schalbetter and the, the crew over there, you know, they, they've always been incredibly supportive of that too, that they know that that's the world they came from. Kama was at CESD when I got there. And mm -hmm. so she knows... She and Shaw better remember that history, and particularly Kama. So it's just, dude, it's been, it's awesome. And then the coaching started, 
uh, almost 10 years ago. We were celebrating okay. almost 10-year anniversary wow. of coaching. So I took all of that into, um, into my own coaching. So it was very cool. You created sort of this, this technique that you call true talk. The true tell. True tell. The That's, true tell. It's okay. No, it's all right. <laughs> It's true something. It's true something. It's true something. And I remember it's true talk is true talk you're is talking, crap something. But you, but you even you it's it's a registered trademark, it is. I believe, yeah. It is. It's uh yeah, it's And uh, I know and I know that you coach in and I don't necessarily want to do a deep dive into it yeah. in this context. If you're comfortable talking about mm-hmm. it, great. I don't wanna, you know Yeah. What what happened with that was it, it kinda came out of not to say tragedy, but it kinda was. Mm-hmm. Um I had been doing so much promo and trailer and narration and commercial and I was so blessed. But something was happening to my voice that I couldn't project it. I couldn't. I was. I was in a promo for. I was doing a promo for one of the networks at one time, and I found that the vowels at the beginning of the sentences were dropping off. And the director would say, "You know, Dave, can we go back and take that again? You kind of had a hiccup on that letter." Well, the hiccup became from a, a, a letter to a word, a word to a sentence, a sentence to a paragraph, a paragraph to a page, to the point where. Something serious was going on, and I couldn't figure out what it was. But I found out that uh, I was told it was a reflux problem that I was that I was having a hiatal hernia that was causing acid in my vocal cords. Holy cow! So I went to have that checked out, and I ended up having stomach surgery to correct the reflux, which I had. But my ENT I was working with in Century City named Manny Zade, who's an incredible, incredible ENT. Um, said, I'm really concerned that if we have the surgery and it doesn't correct the voice, I don't know what that's going to do to you psychologically. Now, as this was happening, I'm still booking jobs. But what was happening was I'd be walking out of the studio drenched in sweat, bathed from head to toe, like overusing my voice, like just straining to get the words out. And when I went, I finally had the surgery. It didn't correct the vocal problem. Five oh months God. later, I went back to the ENT, laid down an MP3 for him. I had my iPod at the time and oh. put a, put an earbud in his ear and one in mine and played it. And he said, I hear it. I hear it. So he eventually hooked me up with a doctor in Brentwood named Mort Cooper, who I went to and he said to me, yeah, they told you you had reflux. I said, yeah. They told me it was a neurological disorder that was incurable. Wait a second. That's a, what they told me it was. A neurological disorder? They told me it was a neurological disorder that was causing my vocal cords to spasm involuntarily and that there was a support group, I'm not kidding you, in Fresno. He handed me a pamphlet, the doctor at UCLA. This is the head of the head and neck division at UCLA. This is, I walked into the, into the office. It was all gold records on the wall. Gloria Stefan, Paul McCartney. This was like the greats of the greats were, had gone to this, this, this office. And uh, so when I went to the doctor in West L.A. in Brentwood, he said, yeah, they told you that it was a neurological disorder. I said, yeah. He said, yeah, you're speaking in the wrong part of your voice. I said, I'm sorry. He said, yeah, you're speaking from your lower throat, aren't you? Yeah, I am. He said, yeah. I said, because my voice has to sound more. I was doing trailer and competing with my other friends. You know, everyone from Jim Tasker to Reno Romano to Scott Rummel, Ben Patrick Johnson. I mean, they were people, these guys were massive in our, massive in these areas of voiceover. Yeah. And to keep up, I would not mimic them, but I'd use a voice, use my story, but use a voice that wasn't mine. Hmm. And then after a period of time, the voice gave out. So I, I ended up working with this doctor for six months to, excuse me, just six months. Uh, it was almost four years, actually. 
uh, and he, he had people coming from in from all over the world who had this disorder, people that were in entertainment and people that were not. And because he was so expensive and insurance didn't cover it, he had me work as his apprentice for four years. I would go from DPN, uh-huh. audition, go to recording sessions, and then go to Mort's office for four to six hours a day and work with other people with the same disorder. So I found in that in that ear that I had with looping, yeah. the same ear with this kind of a thing to know when people were dropping their voice into their lower throat and using what I call the vocal identity. They were using a voice that wasn't theirs. Hmm. And that's where the true tell actually originated was that was, I started using that in my coaching and Mort even said to me, and he's now retired, he's mm-hmm. living in Kentucky with his wife and his, his children. But he said to me, you have a gift like no, you have an ear like I've never, ever heard in my entire life. And this man had worked with celebrities for the last 40 to 50 years of his life. And he said to me, you have a gift from what has happened to you. You have a gift to really help people and to teach them in a way that you couldn't have done 10 years ago. And that's really where this, where the True Tom Method came from. It literally is teaching people to speak with an authentic voice, to speak with their authentic voice, and to know that that voice is bookable and bankable and enough for what they need it to be. Because as you tell any story, your voice is going to change based on the story you're telling Mm. and who you're telling it to and why. It's that old cliche in voiceover. Who are you talking to? I don't know. (laughs) Clearly. And And the voice reflects it. The voice will tell me that you're not talking to somebody because... It's stilted. It sounds too fast, too slow, too loud, too soft. All those things play into just kind of what defines how you tell a story. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you're when you talk to me, when we have in this conversation, your voice is pointed. It, you don't even think about how you're speaking, right? Because the story you're telling is true. But when we get in the mic, we get into the studio with a mic and with a script that we didn't write. Yeah, we shift the voice and try to make it something that's not ours, so that we'll they'll believe who we are and they'll book us. And that to me, that was like the sky opened. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And I, I haven't looked back. I, I'm really I feel so blessed from having that problem. Hmm. Um, and several several folks, I kept it under wraps for a long time. And the problem really, and that, that the problem yeah. and not knowing. I painted the windows black. I got to be honest with you. I really hmm. thought it was over. I really did because I couldn't tell anyone. And then when I started talking to a couple of people, a couple of managers and a couple of folks in the business, they were like, Dave, this is a story that no one knows. Like nobody. And I guarantee you there are other people that have this problem, not to the extent you have had it, but they have it in their work every day and they don't understand why they walk out of the booth exhausted. Hmm. And it, I, once I added it to my curriculum, it was amazing the difference it made in people's reads. It, it just, it's awesome. So, I mean, anyway. just our work on that workout group where I got in front of you and read two pieces of copy doing, doing that, you know, kind of just talking before diving into the copy yeah. and revealing my truth. Yeah. I, since that, I haven't, I haven't done it any other way in, How it in my auditions. Good, real good. Doesn't it? How does it feel when you do it? That's that's the part that I was kind of leading into. Is okay. that I feel a a a physical difference in in how in how I sound, right? Uh, how it feels to do the read, mm-hmm. um, how it feels going through the copy. I, I'm running 
I mean, my usual process now is I'll just I'll hit I'll hit record and slate real quick. Yeah. And then talk for a second about the product. Just to get you in the world. Yeah. You have to paint that world for us and then invite us into it. Yeah. But if we haven't painted that world yet, how do you invite? Because if you're sitting at a dinner party with someone, your wife or whomever, and you turn to another person to have a conversation, you would never do that unless you knew what you were going to talk about, who you were talking to, and why. Right. Why would you start doing that with a piece of copy in front of you? And when we talk about that, people kind of like get tripped out. They're just like, yeah. why am I doing that? Yeah. Because it, it, in any human communication, you just wouldn't do it. Right. You know? So it, it, yeah. So it just, it made a, made a huge difference. I think there was a, there was a false idea that I had that there was a value to capturing my first read. Mm -hmm. That uh, even if I've never spoke these words, that uh, for s somehow, there might be magic. Sure. And, and, and there will be. There can be. That's what I call booking by default. Because uh. you might get that lightning in a bottle. Look, I'm not saying that you could never get it in one take. Sure. The problem we have is that people try to frame it in one take. And then they put themselves, try to fit themselves in the frame going, oh, man, I got to get it. Because if I don't get it in one take, you know, what does it mean about me as an actor? I'm terrible. You know, all that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> right. Totally. So... But when you might just book it by default, you might just look at the copy and go, you know, let's just do it. Yeah. And you book it. Boom. Awesome. The problem is every audition after that, you think, well, if I book that, then I could do that with everything. Right. Not so much. Not so much. Not so much, Grasshopper. You might have just aligned with that particular product, truth, totally. direction, whatever that might be. But that does not guarantee that that's going to be right. the case every time. And I've seen, I've seen pardon me, uh, situations where... You know, an actor gets signed by an agency and the agency may say, don't take classes because the first thing the actor booked, we're thinking he's, you know, he or she is a wunderkind or uh, like they're, they're not the Holy Grail, but, you know, they are what they are. Right. Don't take classes. And then a year from then, the actor hasn't booked a thing and then wonders why they haven't booked. And then I say to the actor, they come to me for work and I, for coaching. And I say, what have you booked since you booked the first thing? Nothing. You got a lot, of, a lot of at bats, yeah. But I don't book anything. Case in point, because mm -hmm. you you book the first thing, awesome. But you gotta have it's everything you know as an actor. You know this. It's context. Mm. I mean, even with improv. I mean, you, you obviously you spent so many years with Second City. Right. Improv. You're given two pieces of information. There's always yes and. There's always in any form of improv. The basics of improv is communication with the other person. Yeah. It just is. It can't just be, well, I'm just going to do it. No. Yeah. That's not how it works. It's listening. It's all the listening. And it's all being able to be that creatively free. But if you try to just kind of get it all in one take, it's you, you're kind of putting yourself into a corner. You know? So. Yeah. I, I feel. So stop doing that. I will. I, I will. I, I've. I, I mean. Oh my God, you kind of. You kind of cowered in the corner as I said that. You I know. Like, I, I got. Know, I, I got small. I will. Okay, you get small. You got small. I know better. I mean, I. I. I like. I. I like just rolling, and I've been doing this more and more of just just rolling tape, and and then doing a bunch. Yeah. And uh, and that's great. I, I. I haven't been going into the office as much as I want, and I really miss the direction it's just gotten busy but consequently i'll spend 45 minutes doing one audition where if i was in front of scott i'd do it in in 35 seconds yeah no absolutely i think that um 
yeah, there's a confidence level that goes with that. Uh. And, you know, the work that we do, I work with clients to become more self-sufficient at home uh. so that you don't feel like you're, you know, you're shooting fish into a barrel. It's You, you want to find that comfort level. There is no difference, again, as I said to you about working in the car. Yeah. There is no difference between working in the backseat of the car, working at CESD, or working in your house. The story doesn't know where it's being told. And the problem is we put the parameters on the story. Dude, it is no different. You have Scott in front of you, but this is your ability to trust. Let me ask you. Yeah. Do you trust your performances as an improv actor? Do you uh -huh. trust your choices? Yeah, 100%. Okay. You don't need someone to validate your choices except the audience, correct? That's correct. Dude, so you've been so, doing this for years. Right. It's the same principle. Is doing this at home... You just trust the fact that you found the story that you want to tell to the right person for the right reason. Boom. Done. Now, it's, it really is as simple as – because if you're doing it in the backseat of the car, when you did that audition for Vinny, did right. you feel confident in the audition? Absolutely. Just happened to be the backseat of the car works as well as CESD. Right. But at home, you got something going on with the house in yeah. how it feels to be in the home studio. Right? Uh, you know... In a way, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm just... Well, p part of it for me is, like, I've booked enough things at home that I feel comfortable. Like, okay, look, I booked that thing. I Like, the first so time you're I good. booked... When I booked the self-tape and got into Batman versus Superman after putting myself on tape, it changed the way I look at doing self-tapes. Yeah. You know what I mean? You 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 make this assumption that, well, I'm just doing a self-tape. No one's ever going to book me out of this they thing. They do. Zack Snyder did. So then you go, okay, well... Ah, uh, there you go. Totally, because now it's like, I mean, this the equipment that we use is so basic but so powerful. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Zach may have looked at your, at your, you know, your audition on his iPad. It may, you may have looked at it on his phone. Right. Who knows where he watched it. Right. You know, but it's, again, it's that basic. Yeah. So whatever, if there's any kind of a feeling at home of I need someone there to direct me. It's you've already booked enough at home to realize you don't need that. It's always nice, yes, but you don't have to have it. I it, it lives in a place of, and uh, I don't know if this is pushback or not. I don't think I don't think it's pushback. I'm editing myself. Go ahead and push back. I'm not pushing back. I think it's time management because it's the thing where I'll sit there oh, and yeah. do the read and then, and then start to second guess. <laughs> I may me. say. This is a uh, bless you. This may be a truthful read, or I've got I know where I'm going. But it's just there. There are certain. Yeah, ah, it's all. It's yeah. It's, no, absolutely. It's this madness. It's the things that go on in the head. Right. Right. That's yeah. what I'm trying to put out. Right. Of and sort of like this is the dumbest image in the world, but it's like from uh, it's not like a Looney Tunes cartoon where it's like remember Pete Puma? He pulled oh. his hair up and then just cut it straight totally. in the buzz cut. Totally. It's like all this bad wiring from. Even from just things from my like even my ex mother in law. And it plays saying, into it plays right? into the work, and that ties into that true tell yep. of like, well, why is that there? What does this person's comment twenty five years ago have anything to do with this video game? And artist? you'll hear it in the read. Hmm. You'll hear it in the read, absolutely. And when you do, especially if you're in commercial or in promo or in narration, trailer, whatever, you will you'll hear that thing, that. If you're not connected to the story, your voice will rat you out in two seconds. It'll totally rat you out. No, no question. So it's it's the true tell is designed just to really kind of make you walk out of the booth feeling effortless every single time walking out going, dude, it just can't get any better. Yeah. 
just and it's not about perfection. There's nothing about this that's teaching perfection. It's walking out feeling connected and passionate, you know, et cetera. It's you know, it's what I said to you and and you know, we were talking about the Hillary Clinton concession speech. Just mentioning that. I'd, I, and if you're comfortable sharing that Absolutely. particular observation, I don't have a problem I'm, with that at all. I'm very fascinated by. It. I think folks would really. Uh, this just for context, if you're not listening to it, uh, the, today is the day after uh, the election, and uh, this morning, well, go ahead. No, absolutely. You're like, well, go ahead, <laughs> roll into it. Um, well, of course, today today is a day where it's a day of unknown for right. a lot of people, and for other people, it's a day of elation. It's a day of a lot of things for a lot of people. Yeah. The thing that I've noticed about Hillary Clinton, and this is a this is a completely nonpartisan analysis. It has nothing to do with policy. It has nothing to do with her history, his history, anything like that. It's during the campaign, especially in her speeches, she spoke at what I call right angles, meaning that she would elongate her vowels. She would say things like, a woman has to be a, and by the way, I'm not saying that these are the words, but this is just paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. A woman needs to break a glass ceiling to become a president. It sounds very basic, but the letter A, when it's elongated, makes it sound very stilted. It makes it sound very right-angled, mm. almost robotic sometimes. And what I noticed during the campaign was that it sounded, and this is where people were saying she was not approachable. She wasn't warm. She was somewhat cold. It's in the delivery of a speech where she's projecting her voice and using and being very precise in how she spoke. Didn't mean that the words she was saying were not deeply accurate, truthful, or, deeply yeah. felt. But the voice that she was using was a voice to project and promote stability, consistency, all of the elements behind being the female candidate, some of the, there were probably personal things that were behind it as well, mm -hmm. but push the voice forward to sound like a commander in chief. Mm -hmm. Got it. Hmm. Okay. Except in the video that they ran right before she accepted the DNC nomination, which was a video of her in a red and white striped shirt, sitting at a table with a mug, looking off camera, talking about her life history. Hmm. And as I watched that, I realized who she really was and talking about why she is the way she is mm. very personal very connected donald on the other hand is very bombastic he's very erratic he's been off off point on point etc the difference with donald is donald regardless of whether the words that come out of his mouth are truths or not and people have accused him of both mm -hmm. the voices pointed it's exact it's not exact perfection He's on point, ver like audibly. He has a confidence in what he's saying, regardless of whether he's living in his own world or living in our world, whatever it is, mm -hmm. however you feel about him. The communication of it was coming from a voice of confidence from where he is. Mm -hmm. It's not saying that she's weak and he's not, and he's not. It's saying that all of that dovetails into how you're perceived by the public. Mm. The public perceived Trump as incredibly egotistical somewhat. One side thought of him egotistical, one side thought of him as extremely strong and pointed. Mm -hmm. Hillary's concession speech this morning, I swear to you, I sat there with my partner and I said, this is the woman I've been waiting for for 18 months. Mm -hmm. Deep, reflective, apologetic, sad, and hopeful, 
and honest. There was such a connection. It, it moved me to tears, actually. Mm. Regardless of how you feel about the woman, your politics, and I say this to every listener, this isn't about my touting Hillary over, Hillary over Trump. It's hearing the way that the messages were communicated, just from, from the true tell, just from this yeah. aspect of it. It just all fell into place this morning. There could not have been, and even Donald's speech last night. Yeah. Both of them gave speeches you might want to call Donald on point and reading from the teleprompter. It's still the fact that he could have gone off point. He could have gone off message, but he didn't. But the fact that she brought something to the table and it really affected everyone watching every pundit talking about that. She was very graceful, um, very empathetic, very sympathetic. The things that people have accused her of not being. Hmm. And it just was interesting. And I, I literally, it was only a few hours ago this was yeah. on, and I wanted to share it with you because yeah. it really epitomized the true tell. It was the thing I've been, that's been bothering me for 18 months hmm. is the fact that every speech felt right-angled. The, work, the words that she was, she was saying could have been, you know, very um, empowering, very whatever, and they were. Yeah. But for some people, it, they were thinking – yeah, I'm being left out in the dust here. I feel like you're not connecting with me. It's you know? fascinating looking at, in particular, having it so viscerally impact us now and being so much in the forefront. Of, I mean, obviously, every election has that has that component right. to it. But there's something specifically about how these two presences are being perceived yeah, absolutely. and how that message is coming through. And, uh, I mean... I know a lot of pundits were talking about the, you know, the Kennedy and Nixon thing and how television transformed that particular thing. Right. And that you were perceiving how they appeared. And you could say that's not policy and that's not blah, blah, blah. Right. That stuff is critically important. It is. Because it's telling you those nonverbal cues, even though they're verbal cues, they're still nonverbal. It has everything to do with how you're perceiving this particular person's openness. Right. And you're. Go ahead. Well, taking from that idea to the importance of how we, you know, how every direction that you see on a script <clears throat> is conversational, conversational, conversational. Right, right, exactly. And then when you speak from a place of truth and it has no, it has no resistance, it has no push, you even hear how connected, how, con how connected it feels. I mean, we could actually feel her empathy. We could feel her apology and her forgiveness or her sadness yeah you know breaking the glass ceiling and, and basically speaking to every girl and woman yeah. the break in her voice she had found that the truth that true tell came through so unbelievably powerfully and for donald you know it's he's the fact that he is very emphatic about how he feels about business this is the way trump has never been anything other than he is Right. He's not trying to be, I'm this and this. He did, he, he's vacillated, but the voice has never changed. It's mm -hmm. never, in, in my opinion, at, at, of an analysis, not about his politics, not about whatever he's done to become president or she tried to do and didn't become president. I just found his voice to be more consistent than hers was. Mm. And then when he tried to, the one thing I did notice is when he tried to go on message and felt like a frame and put around him. You could see how stilted he became. Yes. Because that's not his nature. Yeah. 
whether that makes him a good president or a bad one, Donald is not used to being put into a cage. He's been the first person to admit that. Mm-hmm. She has the ability to understand the suaveness and the nuance of politics. And so she is going to come off more polished. She is going to come off more such and such. They come from two different worlds. Yeah. But today was, man, I'll tell you, it was the epitome of true tell. I was like, son of a gun. She, it was just, you couldn't help regardless of whether you liked her politics. You could feel that honesty. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty wild. It's, it blows my mind, especially as I think as, as an actor uh, among actors often, uh, how over and over and over again, it's underscored how important the truth is and what, what is the purpose of, of the truth, even if it's a matter of believing that Kool-Aid is better than Gatorade. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like it, it, you, you have to take on that truth. And, and if, as a, as an actor or as a politician or as a father comforting sure. a child that you still have to find a way to, I got to dig in and find the truth and make sense of it right. so that you can believe it. And by the way, as I'm saying this to you, what I'm not saying and make sure that your listeners understand, I am not saying that's the reason the, the election ended the way it did. Yeah. I'm not blaming her voice on the reason that it ended. It ended for a lot of different reasons and some of which we may never know. Yep. And we sit stupefied. We, we, we're wondering how this all happened. Yeah. It happened for a reason, whatever people, people spoke. This is more about just her as a person that because this is the business we're in and the business I'm in, yeah. I analyze this stuff. Yeah. And it just was fascinating to me that this was such an, an example of what's happening in the world right now that these two people were really amazing examples of it. So, yeah. you know, um, but I but I think that for our business, the, the true tell is. Um, it's, to me, it's a very powerful, simple tool. It's really not that, it's not difficult. And like you said, you come out of your auditions and your sessions feeling, it's it's about feeling better about yourself. Yeah. Feeling better about your work. Yes. You know, and for the years of sweat when I, that would pour off me coming out of the session, um, I couldn't figure out what the heck that was about. And it was because my body was overheated trying to tell a story. So weird. That is so wild. It is wild. I, I, I'm telling you, when I had these 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 couple these 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 couple of representatives, these couple of agents that I spoke with, and um, uh, and managers say, "This is the story, Dave. This is what separates your story out from other people. It doesn't make you better. It just makes your story different." Hmm. That for me, I, I'm I'm so happy to share it with other coaches. Actors, agents, producers, I don't care who I tell because I really believe it's helping people. So I don't, I don't have, I don't, not standing behind a curriculum where I'm like, oh, I can't share it. (laughs) I like it. I mean, I I love sharing it with people. And so when you asked me to come on here and talk about it, I was like, you know, yeah, let's, well, let's do it. Just, just for the purpose of walking through what your process is you get a you get a script mm-hmm. and it shows up in your email box how do you what do you how do you go from point a to receive to point z where it's sent well the most important thing the, the best thing to do because it's going to be different for every actor but the sure. basics of it is just that it's really getting to understand how you feel about what you're talking about hmm. that's your true tell is really understanding first of all what the 
what the copy is about, and then also understanding your relationship to how you care. What do you, do you care about it? Do you not care about it? And using, you know, your own acting techniques to kind of get you to that place. The, the whole purpose of the curriculum is to get people to really just recognize how they're, the story they're telling. Again, like the dinner party, you're going to tell a story only when you're ready to tell it. Mm. And what I say to every actor is, until you're ready to tell the story, do not open your mouth. And people say, well, I'd love to repeat the story, you know, over and over again. And I say, repeating the story doesn't ground the reed. It grinds the reed into the ground. It just grinds it into the ground. <laughs> How many times have you read it? <laughs> Pardon me. Right. How many times have you read it? Oh, uh, I usually read it about five, six, seven times, and then I tell it. That's like sitting to the person at the table and saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to tell you a story it's about five or six times before I actually mean it. So if you just, you know, eat, eat some of your peas there and have some of that swordfish, it's like right. you'd never be invited back to that dinner party again. Right. right. So it's it's really about getting clear about the story you're telling before you tell it. It's that simple. When when it's a piece, when it's a piece that's very stilted, for example, like like there's a specific style that is connected to this particular piece that mm -hmm. might be that you're trying to honor that specific style like mm -hmm. um uh, i don't have a good example but like something that is sort of uh i i, I made a discovery um while teaching this semester actually at, at cal state fullerton about um there's a woman named sally hogshead who mm -hmm. uh, has this whole thing about fascination Got and it. trying to understand what kind of what commercials are about or their purpose and that idea of of that their job isn't necessarily to sell but to to fascinate in different ways right and uh, and she talks about the seven different fascination th ways things fascinate. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really cool. I like that. Uh, I'll, I'll send you what I've discovered. I think I think I like some, that. A lot. I think there's some some stuff. It helps me a lot to dial into writer, producer, client intent. Absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily take me away from my truth, marrying it with. Because I made that discovery like three days before I came into your workshop. And I was like, I'm excited to share this thing. And you walk in and I was like, what the? Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. What? There you go. And then it's all over the place. There's my buzz cut. But yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, I, I really like we'll look at when my students will go on iSpot.tv and look at spots and then go, OK, what fascination advantages are at play here? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, this is passion. And innovation with a dash of mystique. Exactly. But it helps me redirect them. Yeah. Because so I can go, you know, I, I'm not saying, oh, could you please give me a bit, make it more. Yeah, make but it you're, this. exactly. Because that's what I call an external direction. Yeah. That's an external. Can you make it more, make it more selly, make it more smiley? No, give it more mystique. Yes. Give it more um, fascination. Give it more intrigue. Give it more whatever. Those things. They're playable. They're playable. They're story. They're playable story ideas. Right. Versus make it smileier, make it faster, make it slower. It's, it's really the whole idea of fascination is perfect because all of this work, be it a documentary, be it a, a commercial, a trailer, a promo, it is all fascination. Yeah. We're the messengers. That's what we do. Yeah. So everything has to be a messenger. Everything has to be a form of fascination. It's not wow. It's connection. Right. That's it. I mean, look at the way you look at the way when you talk to me like this. This is you're you're so in the moment. Uh -huh. You're not even thinking about what you're talking about. No, I don't even. You're I'm not aware it. of the mic. You're not I, even I mean, here. I don't even see it either because I'm talking yeah. to you. Right. 
So we're we're so in the moment that, but the problem is when we get put into a box of a script, now this microphone that's in front of both of us takes on a whole, this room oh. takes on a whole different perspective. Right. Where it's like, oh, wow, I have to get this in one take. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me oh, find yeah. my true tell. Let me find my, oh, how am I, who am I talking to? Oh, okay. I need to get this in one take. The whole thing takes on a completely different world and we yeah. lose the fascination. Yeah. You know, that's the thing is that Peter Coyote is a perfect example. Peter's, Peter is that term wunderkind because Peter emphatically says he doesn't prep. Peter reads. But Peter is one of a few wunderkinds that can do that. I can't say that every person in the business can do that. Peter can. He can read the copy and just get and do the it. emotional content of what that is. And he does and it. Just do it. That's what he does. But again, the most people are not that. We're all going to have, there's going to be a talent that each of us has that's unique. That's Peter's uniqueness. He, yeah. he has the ability to do that and tells a gorgeous story. Hmm. The key to this whole thing is if you can tell the story in one take, and I've had this with clients where all of the prep that we do, they get it in one take. But it's not about just getting in there and doing it in a take. It's setting up the world and the story that's true, that's cool, that's connected, blah, blah, blah. You tell the story and instantly the take is done. Yeah. And it may take 15, 20 minutes, but maybe even less. But you got a one take wonder and you move on. Right. Or two takes. Right. You're not doing seven or eight of them and you're in the booth for 45 minutes going... Oh, well, I don't know. Which Second one do guessing I Second and what and all that other stuff. Totally. And I like this about this, but what if I cut this Franken take together? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, th there's. Yeah, exactly. So it's about cutting that time down. But right. it's not only cutting the time down. You were talking about time management. Right. It's about wanting to step in the booth at all. I had mm. lost. I had created a phobia to the booth. I created a phobia to the microphone. Oh. I was so frightened to go back in there because I didn't think that. I had a voice that they would want. And when I started working with Mort Cooper, who was this is this curmudgeon who's hilarious, Walsh, I'm telling you, they're going to love the voice. I'm telling you, listen to me. It's amazing. They love it. You sound great. So when I did it, the irony was a week after that, um, uh, the booth director, Brandy Ilson, who's now at LW1, Brandy was my booth director at the time, and she said, are you okay today? And I said, why? She goes, you, you seem very happy, very together. She goes, you sound amazing. What, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. But Mort had worked with me to put the voice back up into the mask of my face, where all good and great voices come from. They come from the mask of the face, not from the throat. You speak from the throat, all, you speak from the face, perfectly you've got an incredible resonance in your voice you speak right from the mask of your face but you don't even realize you're doing it oh uh, yeah because you that's just what you do that's but that's the physical change that that's i feel physical shift when when we do the true tell work and i i i felt that physically yeah. like it's putting shifted. everything into my mask Isn't rather that crazy than, it was so strange it's to, so crazy to to not logically Put it there, especially when you're talking about stuff like resonators and things like, well, yeah. down here is where it's down. Where it's down here, yeah. Where it's down here, and I'm not. And it was something you said in that workout group where someone was doing a promo piece and you were like, wait a second, there's no hole there. There's no hole in the middle of your there's throat. There's no hole in your not throat yet. for that voice there's to come out. Right. Not yet. 
So, like, why are you doing that? Yeah, why are you trying to push it out of your throat where there's no opening? It's supposed to come out of your mouth, not out of your larynx. You can resonate down there. You can resonate in your chest. Yeah. And let it vibrate. But the problem I had was I walked around like this all the time. I'm not kidding you. Trying to push my voice into my throat to make it damaged, to get a rasp in it. And I can hear, I can hear it now when I'm I'm speaking. It's really, it's damaging to my voice when I do it. I walked around like that all the time. That you were deliberately damaging your voice? Deliberately damaging it. But didn't think I was damaging the thought that it was what they wanted. That you were to buy. giving a texture to it, right? And I had, you know, I had a, um, I had a conversation with with a with someone who said, "Dave, I remember telling you that that was a dead voice. It sounded dead. Oh. It didn't have any life to it. So when I hear people doing it now, there are going to be times where you need to maybe dip it into the lower throat if it's a for character choice, for a character or, like or for a, a promo. Yeah, but it's about teaching yourself how to get out of it." When you leave the booth, my problem is I walked out of the booth and just kept doing it. You can go down there for a small, short period of time, but you can't stay down there forever. It's like a Lee J. Cobb thing. Totally. Like you're like you're living this promo guy's life in the booth. Right. It's it's not it's not an invalid choice for certain things. But if you stay in that place, like you're like, yeah, I. I, So what we teach you, what we teach you is to use those techniques to dip down and jump back up again if you have to. Just don't, because if you do it consistently, I mean, I've had actors come to me and say, you know, my voice is tired at the end of the day. Yeah. Your voice should survive 14 hours of talking a day. 12 to 14 hours a day, yeah. you should be able to talk. And if you come to me after three hours of talking and you're exhausted, you're doing something wrong. Your vocal cords are designed that's like your muscles, your biceps, yeah. your triceps, your 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 pecs, your your hamstrings. They're designed to move all day, every day, sixteen to twenty-two hours a day, and they do that for decades upon decades upon decades. All of a sudden, your vocal cords are tired after two hours. You're doing something wrong. Huh. It's a muscle. It's the same thing as any other muscle in your body, but you're overworking it for a, for a reason. You're placing it differently. You're speaking from the wrong. You're you're overexerting it. You're doing all those things, and that is all tied to how you're showing up emotionally, psychologically. All of those things have a play on this. That's why when you tell a story that's true, it's effortless. Um, what do you think of what do you th- um, what do you think of Kiff's storytelling? People will say, you know, that guy tells one heck of a story. The reason that people will say. Kiff tells a great story is because you have us involved in the story. We're right in the room. Hmm. We're right there with you. And every nuance of the story, every visual that's going across your brain is right there. But we're not thinking it's happening in nanoseconds. We're not even realizing it. Yeah. The second we try to tell someone else a story, it's stilted. It becomes efforted because yeah. we're like, I don't really know why I'm telling the story. We'll get clear about why you're telling it. Because then yeah. the voice will correct itself on its own without you forcing it to do it. Then the bot- the last thing about it is is trusting that that it is the right choice. Mm. It's the trust. It's it, it comes down to the trust that you trust that what you're going to send in that MP3, what you're going to send in that audition or that recording session is enough. And it comes down to the basics of realizing that each of us brings something to the table that is enough. 
we think everybody else is looking at us with a fine with a looking glass and we're competing to become good enough to do that versus turning it upside down and owning it i've always been enough you You've walk in there enough. i've always been enough now i go into my throat that's exactly right. i'll do it my clint but i gotta come out i'll come out it's like but yeah, that that it sounds really. It sounds like a it sounds like a therapy session. I know, but it's but it really. But, it is. but it's true. This is the thing. This is the stuff that, you know, you're not trying to be Pollyanna about it. But this is the stuff that you bring into the booth with you. That's right. That's like you said. You're sitting here just doing this, doing the show, feeling awesome. If I stick a piece of copy in front of you, it's going to completely change the room. That's right. Because it's somebody else's words. Right. Yeah. Now it's like, am I enough to tell that story? Mm-hmm. Then we have to. Then we got to figure that out. And as as an actor, as a as a person, it, you're you you just you 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 are enough. And and how this thing is filtered through you, you have to take all the stakes off the table. You have to stop thinking about what this thing is and what it could bring and whether they book you or not. Right. That stuff is that is you know Joan C's book. Uh, you know work how to work in commercials or something mm-hmm. that on the back of it is all over. It is the audition is the work. The work is the, the audition per- is the work. It absolutely is. No and, question. You know, and, and that is that's all that's all you can be focused on. Right. And if you start trying to guess and think you might have an inroad here or there or have an awareness of what the marketing is like, that's mm-hmm. playing chess and not checkers with your career. Right. But but at the end of the day, what you do in front of the microphone needs to be purely you. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, too, is like, um, you know, someone like Mary Lynn Wisner, Mary Lynn loves and and the clients I've worked with that work with Mary Lynn, Mm -hmm. Mary Lynn loves to get you frayed on the edges. Give me a little more you. Give me a little more improv. Give me a little more, you know, a little more, a little more of that, not be so bound to the copy. And as a casting director, I mean, that's that's her world. Mm -hmm. But I love that fact of just giving them, giving the actor the ability to free up and not feel completely constricted yeah. by the copy. But again, we all, whether it's you know Jody Godley or Jeff Howell or, or Bergen, Fraley, Joan Baker, whoever it is, we all have our style, but at the same time, it's about just being comfortable in the room and telling the story that you want to tell. Yeah. That's true. So it's, uh, it's very cool. But again, like I said, I, I just feel totally blessed that I can really f- come on the other side of what happened to me and see the difference of helping other people. You know, so it's very cool. Well, I mean, just from the limited amount of time that I got to work with you, and I plan on doing a lot more, but I I, I can't get over the way it, you know, and again, as someone who's been working professionally. For, yeah, you've been working like crazy. You know, yeah, 16, 17, I mean, since I joined the union anyway, 16 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and health insurance and putting food on the table and taking care of my family and still to be, you know, to go into a room and meet someone who says some stuff that makes you go. Yeah, it makes you. What makes have I been you, doing? Gives you, gives you that that. Yeah, that haircut. That's right. The hair. Yeah, but I, I think that for all of us too, you're always learning. I know it. I know it sounds like cliche, but if you're not, if you're not always trying to learn something new, come on. I mean, the there's always something new to learn. Absolutely. For all of us. So it's and even for me as I as I evolve this curriculum. There's something that, you know, I'll come up with or something will happen in the week and I'll go, man, we got to add that to what we're doing because I, somebody found it to be amazingly beneficial. Yeah. 
So when we you, just grab when onto it. Grab that and assimilate it and totally and make it better and, and, and help everybody get a better sense of what this thing is. Yeah. Or, or just it's a new tool to go play with. Like Batman gets a thing for his utility belts. Like how do I use how this? How do I use this now? Yeah. We need to figure out how to use it. Well, look at that. He's hovering. Like, yeah, That's totally. Amazing. It's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> but I think, again, it goes back to, you know, one of the things I wanted to just, and I've said this to Chuck uh, Duran and Stacey uh, Aswad about VO Buzz Weekly. These opportunities to sit with people like you and really talk about stuff like this yeah. that we don't get to talk about that often because like we said you know if you're in if you're in a casting office it's you know everybody's fighting for the microphone and it's right. always kind of oh i'm gonna do my shtick and blah, blah blah or you're just talking about stuff you don't have the opportunity to talk about you know process these and process ideas and yeah different and ways of doing it. yeah and for you to offer this to people every week you know you're one of the few that are doing it and I really give you a lot of credit. I, I'm, I'm, I feel so honored to be here, dude. I, you know, I can't so. tell you how much I appreciate you coming in and sharing it. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, I, it's said week after week on this show about how, uh, how great the voiceover community is in terms of its sharing its knowledge. And I feel like it's as an actor, and in particular in the arts, but this particular pursuit is so journeyman, uh, yeah. you know, and that that we. You know, from from the very first time I sat in a Pat Fraley workshop, yeah, to to even now, like sitting here with you, these these discoveries and these little tips and tricks of like working with it's like blacksmithing, you know, and like it's like we're all oh, playing totally. drugs. It's it's great. Yeah. Like oh how are how are you heating that up? It, 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 oh, I never knew I could heat it up like that. No, I didn't know I could do that. that that fast. That's a great technique, and then it keeps icy, so I get less steam. Right. So you don't use a wooden spoon. You use a late. You use a metal ladle. Why yeah. is that? Well, because if you use the wooden spoon, it's going to burn. The metal's oh. going to be. I can take it to five hundred degrees, where this is going to burn at three seventy five. I always. I didn't know what was going on, but that's yeah. why I go through spoons like I. Oh like, well, yeah, but but I've had this. This is my grandfather's spoon. You did. Wow, that's right? incredible. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff where you're like, well, I can take that extra piece of info and use it in just little right. tools. And, and I think that for next generations. Yeah. And we're not. And I think what we also find is we're not protective. We're protective of our work. We're protective of the curriculums, the things that we create. Sure. But at the same time, it really is a generation of sharing. This is yeah. I've never seen the voiceover industry so open mm. as we have now. And part of that is because of social media. A huge part of it, clearly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a world of everybody sharing a bunch of their of their techniques and tricks and stuff. Well, uh, how can people come to you so that they can learn the True Tell method uh, and work it with you? Absolutely. And uh, and 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 follow you social media, get to know you better, etc. Yeah, uh, they can follow us at Walsh Voiceover at Walsh Voiceover Coaching on. Um, on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Walsh Voiceover Coaching. Uh, website is walshvoiceovercoaching.com. Um, email is dave at walshvoiceovercoaching.com. <laughs> See a trend? Um, it's uh, it's really that simple. So um, if anyone is interested in doing that, like I said, we work either in person here in West Hollywood or we work remotely, Skype, FaceTime, Source Connect, IBDTL, whatever. So it's, uh, it's, it's become... In the last 10 years, it's made it so much easier to work with people everywhere. Oh, man. It's so great. It's so it's 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 awesome. And then to be able to come in here and spend time with you is uh, oh. it's the icing on the cake. It is the icing on the cake, uh, a cake that is already awesome. But to be able to have a nice, delicious, <laughs> a nice piece and cool. lovely, 
lovely. I was lo- lovely. You told me I was lovely. You were absolutely lovely. Yeah, I'm lo- I, I don't know if I'm as lovely now as it was when we started. But... Well, no, uh, even more so. Uh, because there's something about sharing that brings, there's there's loveliness in it. Yeah, that's I don't true. know where I'm going. Thank, that's all right, dude. You're like, <laughs> okay, we've, 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 we've literally, I've, I've run out of things. My, my sheet is blank now. My sheet's been blank. I, what am I talking about I usually about now? go into this thing pretty blank. Um, that's the way to do it. I feel like it is because yeah, if, if I'm do... driving some kind of agenda or trying to get you to unlock something, it, it shuts other rooms off that yeah. are in the room. Is there anything else we didn't cover? I mean, everybody's hearing this, but is there anything else that you think that we haven't covered? Fashion tips? Well, do you have fashion tips? I got none. All right. Then yeah, I think we covered bucket. fashion okay, tips there. <laughs> I think, we've, yeah, so much so. But um, I really, and I appreciate, you know, us having a chance to talk about, you know, what happened this morning, too, because that's, um, it's on everybody's minds right now. By right. the time people hear this, it will have passed. But it's yeah, in the air. It's, it's, it's in it's the important. traffic. It's the interesting thing about this town is that um, the past couple days, Los Angeles, we're, we're on a, we're on a fault line. We're on a we're oh, on yeah. sand. We're on an incredibly loose and uh, changing, shifting precipice. constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And it reacts to the emotional content of the community. And yeah. I mean, I saw more fingers and more honking and more craziness crazy. yesterday. So crazy. And today it was like this weird calm post you know it's when like you, the nuclear winter it's yeah. like a nuclear winter you know like it's kind of that God, feeling of God, like God, oh man it. you know you know how it is after you've had a hard night and you throw up and then you finally go to yes. bed yes like that it's that feeling of like i've burst blood vessels in my face but at least i can sleep yeah it had that feeling like walking to school but like i spoke to everybody on the way to school um and we live in a pretty diverse little neighborhood. Yeah. And and you're just kind of checking in. And I think ultimately my hope and what I've been saying to my kid uh, and to my wife and to myself is, all right, look, uh, if things didn't go your way, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I ain't I ain't moving. No, you, I'm you, gonna. I gotta be the change I want to see in the world. You know, we had a we had a situation. I had a friend who emailed me this morning or texted me this morning at 6 a.m. that when Proposition 8 passed in 2008, which prohibited gay marriage from actually becoming legal in the state of California, huh. um, we were truly under the impression that it was going to be struck down. When it actually did pass. And we had gone through a period of time where I have friends that got married in the six in, in the period of time we had available to us, only to have that revoked. The friend this morning said to me, "What did you do then?" I said, "We went on. Yeah. We had to. We were angry. We protested. We did what we did, but we moved on. And I think that regardless of what side of the fence you fall on here, like you said, you're not moving. You're not doing your thing. Whatever side this is." It's it's important to put it out there to talk about it. Yeah. But um, like I said, the 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 thing that I noticed about the two of them that this is that the whole opportunity of speaking from the true tell is like that's the key to so much of communication. Whether you believe whether you're on board with the information or you're not, um, 
I think it's important for everybody to realize that we that we are we gonna we do move on. We have to move on. We have to move on. You know, and then it's on both sides of the aisle. It's you not in I don't know if you know, we're all gonna have to do that. So um this is the first opportunity I've had to, you know, to talk to anyone today. <laughs> um but it's very it's very cool. And I, I think it's uh, for me it's appropriate to come and talk to you today. Yeah. Um and just I appreciate it and thank you. I, I feel the same way. Thank I, you so much. I, I there was a one I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. Okay. Um, there was a, wow, I'm surprised there's emotion on that. There's okay. a acting uh, improv coach named Martin DeMott, who I had back in Chicago, mm-hmm. who's passed. And, and I remember him saying in a improv workshop that the essence of improvisation is that what you do is you take a step off the back line you take the hand of the person who's next to you mm-hmm. and then you create the world together. And mm-hmm. you don't know what it is, but using your agreement and your listening skills and your openness to what it is, right. that's how we create the worlds of improv. Yeah. And I think, especially in an, in an unknown situation that we're facing right now, that that direction is giving me confidence and hope and... An openness to see where we go and to trust my instincts and take all the wiring and give yeah. myself a buzz cut. Absolutely. You know? and totally. And I think that, you know, what has been said has been true. Peep, the voices have spoken. Yeah. They've spoken. And you talk about true tell. You talk about people just kind of, you know, again, whether you agree with it or you don't, it's it's kind of, it's people speaking up. Yeah. It's people speaking up. And it's it's going to play out however it's going to play out. But I think the point is, like you said, about taking the hand of the person next to you and really kind of moving forward. And I know that there are people today that don't want the kumbaya kind of a feeling. I, I know people have posted today and said, please do not Pollyanna me. Right. Not me, but other people saying, please do not give me that everything's going to be fine or whatever. They're entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. But eventually, because I've been on the receiving end of that prejudice, I've been on the receiving end of such and such. You got to, you literally got to pick yourself up and move on and find a way to work together. So that's, I think, what she was trying to say today, too. And I think it was communicated beautifully. So, dude, it's, uh, it is just a pleasure. And thank you for sharing it because that, that kind of thing, you remember that, you remember Martin that well. Remember that note. And it, it, that's the perfect example of true tell. When you get that choked up about it, it doesn't get any more real than that. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. So oh, thanks for sharing that. Dave, thank you so much for thanks, being here. Thanks, buddy. You betcha. And thanks. thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great one. Peace. Thank you for joining us on All Over VoiceOver with Kip VH. Please take a moment to review the show and let other folks know what you thought. And if you dug it, please subscribe. Follow the show on Twitter at AllOverVO and check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AllOverVO with Kip VH. That's it for this time. You get what you get and don't get upset. Claim victory and depart the field.